This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Well, let's give the Lord great praise in the house. Oh, He's so worthy. So worthy of our praise. Father, tonight in your presence, we come, dear sir, to praise and to worship and to adore you. We say this is a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, thank you for giving us Jesus and the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you'll rise up big within me now, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. I declare I'm a servant ready to be used by the master today. I thank you, Father, as I speak the word of God, I'll speak clearly, accurately. I thank you it'll be carried by the wind of the spirit. Thank you for fresh revelation. Thank you that fear will be dispelled, but faith will rise up in the hearts of your people, Father. And we at Christian Family Church, Father, we're gonna be exhorted. We're gonna be lifted up. We're gonna be encouraged. We're gonna be risen to the top because we are more than conquerors in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hallelujah. And you may be seated. Praise the Lord. What an honor it is, family, for me to stand before you to share the word of God as the mother of the house. And as I was preparing for this celebration and, and praying before the Lord, the, I really felt in my heart that I needed to share with you all my stories, my journey of how I started and how I grew and how the Word has changed me. So during this celebration, you're going to hear a lot of my personal stories and my family stories. And I am what I am today by the grace of God. And there's two people I would like to thank in my life. My first is my mom. She's not with us anymore. The greatest woman that I know that ever walked this planet. An amazing mentor, amazing coach, amazing woman, just incredible woman. And then secondly, um, I would like to give thanks to my husband, uh, Apostle Theo Vormerans, for leading me and guiding me and giving me the truth. And I, I am what I am today by the grace of God. And my husband has, has been a great help in, in leading me, guiding me, and teaching me the Word of God. So family, this is my story. The title of my message tonight is Celebrate Who God Made You To Be. Celebrate Who God Made You To Be. I grew up with the most amazing mother I felt on the planet. She became my best friend. She was my coach. She was my mentor. She didn't suffer fools. She was a no-nonsense woman. She was a businesswoman. But we just got on like two peas in a pod. So I grew up in a very wonderful environment where my mom always affirmed me at all times. She told me, Beverly, you're amazing, you're beautiful, you can do anything you ever want to do. If you work hard, believe God, you can achieve it. You just got to not be lazy, she would tell me. You're not allowed to be lazy, you got to work. She would tell me God has given you gifts and talents, and she would tell me, Beverly, don't waste them. So I grew up, believe it or not, I grew up without any insecurities. I grew up thinking I was wonderful, and I grew up without any hang-ups. Believe it or not, I just grew up happy. Even though there were dark patches in our lives, like every one of us, we go through dark times, I still was a happy person. When we moved from Zimbabwe to Cape Town, and I grew up in Cape Town from when I was six years of age until I was 16. I loved the Cape. It is like my happy place. It kind of still is today. And nevertheless, but my parents went through quite a difficult divorce, and so we moved to, to Durban. There was a difficult time in my life when my, my parents got divorced. Even when my brother, who was only 
19 at the time he got leukemia and we didn't have the word of faith as we do today. And so therefore he didn't understand healing, but he loved the Lord and we watched him suffer and die um, after three years. But nevertheless, even though we went, I went, my parents went through a divorce, even though we had a death in the family, even my, my sister went through a divorce, my mother was my anchor. She always told me, Beverly, we are passing through. This is just a season in life and we are passing through. Even when my parents got divorced and my mom and I, we lived in a tiny little apartment together and times were tough and we didn't have much money. We would go down to the one rander. Can you imagine going to eat at the one rander? And we were so poor at the time, but you know, poverty wasn't in us. We didn't have a poverty mentality, but we knew we were just passing through this season. And so we knew that all the, the poverty we were going through was just temporal. And thank God my mother didn't have a poverty spirit, nor did she have a poverty mentality. So I grew up a very happy child. Where the wheels came off in my life is when I went into the ministry. You would think the ministry is the best place to be, right? Well, I got married and I was 22 years of age when we went into the ministry. 22 to go into the ministry is very young. I had no mentors in my life to teach me how to be a pastor's wife, what a pastor's wife should do, what they should look like, how they should behave. And so um, when I went to the ministry, it was all brand new for me. And in fact, it was quite overwhelming. There was a couple in America by the names of Bob and Marty Tilton, and they were, had a huge mega ministry in Dallas, Texas. They were on TV all around the world, and they somehow got to hear about Apostle Theo preaching the blood covenant. And so they invited us to America, and we went. They were amazing pastors. They had this huge church in, in, in Dallas, Texas, and they liked us, and I liked them. I really enjoyed uh, getting to know Pastor uh, Marty Tilton. We got on so well with them, we even ended up being house guests at the time. But as I was so new to the ministry, I would watch Marty and see what did she do, and then maybe I should do what she did because that's what a good, successful pastor's wife should look like and should behave and should do. So I watched her very carefully and found out that she was, had the inc most incredible administrative skills. In fact, she basically ran the ministry. Her husband did TV and he preached on the Sundays. She also ran all the finances of the church. She oversaw that and she also oversaw all the, the, the school. She had a school from kindergarten to, to um, matric when they leave school and she oversaw all that. So when I looked at her and I saw what she did, I was overwhelmed and I just kept on thinking to myself, I'm not sure that if I can cope with everything that she's doing. She managed the finances, the church administration. And so the more I got to know her, even though I admired her so much and looked up to her, when I looked at her and saw what she'd achieved in life, I began to feel insecure. Insecure myself, insecure in the ministry. I thought, there's no ways I'm going to be like her. There's no ways I can and handle what she's handling and oversee everything. And, and I could never be like her. And if this is what a pastor's wife should be like, then I'm going to fail miserably. And the devil began to lie to me about all her abilities and how great she was and how I lacked in my ability and how I felt short. 
And I swallowed all the lies and I became very, very insecure. Only because my mind was not renewed by the word of God. So much so that when we came back to South Africa from America, straight after services, I would disappear into the green room and I wouldn't go and talk to anybody. And people would think, oh, she's so stuck up and she's so unfriendly. But the truth of the matter is I felt so insecure because I didn't feel I measured up to be a good pastor's wife. And then what made matters worse is that I'm married to such a handsome man. And it's a good thing and it's a bad thing when you've got a beautiful husband. Because in those days when he prayed for the sick, in the beginning, I never prayed with him. And I just couldn't get over how the women used to want to fall in his arms. So I decided, okay, this is not on. I mean, no man has fallen to my arms when I've prayed with him. How come the women just fall into my husband's arms? So I think, I, so I started scheming. Okay, what can I do to make this right? And so I decided, honey, can I come and pray with you? And he said, of course you can. And I said, good. Because when the women came and they wanted to um, faint in my husband's, just as I saw them fainting, I would just kick them on the shins to remind them that they need to fall backwards. So I used to stand, praise the Lord. That's what I did. Praise God. My complexes were so compounded, and I was not in a good space. I know it's like to come to church smiling, wearing a mask, looking all is well, but inside there's such a war going on in your mind. The devil was telling me I was not good enough. I had the wrong giftings. I didn't even look the right part for a pastor's wife, you know, because in those days you had to look really, really, if you looked drab, you didn't wear makeup, you didn't you just, just, you looked like plain Jane, then you were very holy. I can't be a plain Jane. As my husband says, paint make a girl what she ain't. <laughs> but we like the paint, right? So nevertheless, I was still swallowing the lies of the devil that I didn't fit in, I didn't measure up, and Satan bombarded my mind. And that's what Satan will do to all of us. He will bombard our minds and tell us why we don't measure up, why we're not good enough. Or perhaps he tells you there's colleagues at work that are better than you, or perhaps they've got better giftings and talents than you do. And suddenly we start despising the giftings that we have. We start wishing that we had other people's giftings and talents. Perhaps we, had, we wished we had other people's positions in, in the workplace or even in church. We wish we could be somebody else. But when we start comparing ourselves to other people, we will become insecure and we will feel worthless. We will feel that we've got no significance at all. I've been there. I know what it's like to be so frustrated when I felt I wasn't good enough. I felt I wasn't smart enough. Uh, in honesty, I accepted the devil's lies and his deceptions. And the devil might be telling you today 
that no one cares about you, that you're not as good as your coworker, that you're not talented like your siblings. Your parents don't approve of you. In fact, no one approves of you. The devil might be telling you tonight nobody loves you, that you're a failure and you're no good. Gosh, family, if we're honest with ourselves, that's exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants to steal our destiny. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our productivity. He wants to come. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But there came a time in my life when I was lying one day on my bed and I was weeping before the Lord and I said, God, What is it that you want me to do in the ministry? I feel like a fish out of water. I gave him all the reasons why I thought I was not good enough. And then I just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I heard a still small voice speak to me on my bed that day. I wish you could have heard it as well. Because God spoke to me very clearly and he said, study. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Let it be your care to get the approval of God. As a workman has no cause for shame, giving the true word in the right way. Giving the true word of faith in the right way. Another version says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. So I learned two things from that. Number one, God told me clearly that I needed to study the word for myself. That God had called me to teach and encourage and motivate and uplift the body of Christ. That was my primary ministry. In fact, my husband always told me, babe, you've got a pulpit ministry. That is your primary ministry. Of course, the Lord has expanded my ministry because I was faithful over little. And when you're faithful over little, God will give you, make you faithful over much. So I started studying, and when I did, guess what? I set myself free. Because the truth will always set you free. Number two, I realized the only approval I ever needed really was from the Lord. It was the Word of God that set me free. That's why it's so imperative that we come to church, renew our minds to God's words. We actually have to have our brains washed, right? We've got to get the wrong teaching out of our brain. We've got to get the negativity out of our brain. We've got insecurity out of our brain. Everything the devil says that will pull you down, get to wash it out of our brain with the Word of God. I replaced unbelief and doubt with God's truth, the Word. I realized my worth and my value was not on the approval of others, on their opinions, but my worth and my value and always will be and is based on the Word of God, who God says I am in Christ Jesus. My complete freedom to be who God has made me to be was in Christ. And this is one of our keys to abundant, joyful life of freedom. The Apostle Paul, he implores us to live our lives in Christ. In fact, he said, in this way, he said, boasting our glory in Christ. In fact, in his epistles, he encouraged us to, us to be in Christ 160 times. There's 160 in Christ identity verses in the Bible. So what does it mean to have our identity in Christ? It means that we are now putting our full confidence and trust in the Lord. The Bible teaches us there's no condemnation 
to those are in Christ. So when the devil comes to you and tells you no good, you say, yes, I am good in Christ Jesus. I'll never be separated because I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have faith. We have hope. We have love. We have the promises of God. Family, our value and our worth is not based on people's opinions of us. We love them to love us, but you know what I say? If you don't like me, too bad, too sad, because God approves of me. And you know what? God approves of you. And if someone doesn't like you, too bad, too sad, dust your feet and go away. There's somebody else waiting for you. All of us come from some kind of dysfunctional family. Show me one family that's not got someone, a little cray-cray, in their family. You might be from a home of rejection or neglect, but family, that does not define who you are. Ephesians 1.4 says, even as in His love, He chose us, actually picked us out for Himself. Isn't that incredible? in Christ before the foundation of the world. This scripture tells us that Christ picked us out for himself. He picked us, me, for himself. He picked you for himself. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty deep. Psalms 139:13 says, for you were created in my inmost being, you were knit, You knit me together in my mother's womb and I praise you because I'm fearfully, I'm wonderfully made and your works are wonderful. I know that full well. In verse 15 says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. But look at your your eyes. They saw my unformed body. All the days for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Family, God is a book with your name on it. There's a book and says, Beverly. He, in that book, he's written on every page what I should be doing in my life. It says, all the days ordained for me were written in my book before one of them came to pass. Family, let's pray that we fulfill the pages of the book that God has for each and every one of us. How precious are your thoughts to me, God? How vast is the sum of them? If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. Psalm 33, 15 says, He fashions their hearts individually. Hallelujah. And he considers all their works. When I began to understand my real significance, my self-worth, I began to celebrate myself, celebrate my uniqueness. My value was not in determine how other people should think I should be or how I should dress or how I should walk. My value is in what God's Word says about me. And it's the same, family, how God views you. God values you. Family, you are important important to God. And each of us have have been given gifts and talents inside of us that are just perfect for us. I don't have to run Marty Tilton's life. 
and her race, I don't even have to run Apostle Theo's race. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to preach like them because this is how it goes. This is my husband. He's bond, you know, he's my bond, but he, he's not in a hurry. He never gets adrenals too fast. So he'll be coming to the platform. Hello, family. What a wonderful day. This is a day the Lord has made. <laughs> I can't be like him. He's got so many gifts and talents, but God has put it in him, for him, for his race. I have different gifts. This is me coming to the pulpit. Oh, I can't wait to get there. Okay, family. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get the party started. <laughs> We're just different. Everyone is different, right? But family, if we can understand we don't have to compete or, or compare. We don't have to compete or compare. We just have to be the best me we can be. We have each different giftings. Romans 12, 6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesy, then go ahead and prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving in the dream team, then serve. If it's in teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, which is mine, then give encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The good news is that you are an original, and I am an original. There's so many fakes out there, and we don't have to be fakes. We are the real deal. Hallelujah. You are the real deal. An acorn tree can grow and take time to be a beautiful, stable oak tree, but a beautiful oak tree can never become a rose bush. Now, it can be a stunted oak tree, but it'll never be a rose bush. God did not create you to be anybody else. And God wants us to cultivate the gifts and the callings of our lives so that we can be healthy and we can grow into everything He's called us to be. We can be a stunted tree if we don't go to growth track and don't discover our purpose and don't start serving in the dream team. We can be a stunted oak tree. Or we can develop and grow into everything that God has called us to be. No two snowflakes are the same. No two thumbprints are the same. God took time and effort to deposit talents into each and every one of us. He's given us skills. He's given us strengths. That means every ingredient necessary for your assignment on this planet is inside you. God has put greatness inside you, family, but it's us to, up to us to develop and discover our purpose and develop our skills. God is not going to do that for us. Psalm 139 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. Your, all your days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Family, God is not into cloning. There's no one else like you in the world. 
Las Vegas is filled with people making a living, looking, acting, and singing, I'm all shook up, like Elvis. They even have a convention for all Elvis impersonators. We don't have to impersonate anybody. We can be an original. We are an original. Be the best you can be. We know that Isaiah was a gifted communicator. It says in Isaiah 49 verse 1, he says, Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb, and he has spoken my name. Oh, my word, if God has spoken his name when he was in his mother's womb, God has spoken your name while you were in your mother's womb, family. Glory to God. That's important you are to God. In verse 2, he said, He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Oh, that's phenomenal. It's incredible. God knew us. When we were just in our mother's womb, he knew all about our future. He said, before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. That's Jeremiah. In the Amplified says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you. Family, let me tell you something. God has already approved of you. You're a chosen instrument. And before you were born, he said, I separated and set you apart. I consecrated you. I anointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God knew us. He approved of us as a chosen instrument before we were born. We were separated. We were set apart. We've been anointed and appointed to do the things that God has called us to do. Glory to God. So family, our self-worth, our self-image must come from knowing that God has approved of us. You are handpicked, you are handmade, and you're approved by God. And when we understand this, family, we can truly celebrate who God made us to be. It would be great if people approved of us. It will be wonderful even our parents loved us, our siblings. But you know, the fact remains, if nobody approves us, I'm still loved, you're still loved, I'm still chosen, you're still chosen, I'm still accepted, you're still accepted, I'm approved by God and you're approved by God. You're loved, you're accepted and you're chosen by God. Jesus Christ must be our source of security. That's our, one of our core belief systems. But when I got it, when I got that, I understood that the God had put the necessary talents in my life for what He wanted me to do on the earth. I became free, 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 free as a bird. Remember the story of the ugly duckling? Because of an unfortunate mix-up, the swan's egg was put in, the, the, um, in a duck's egg, a nest. And so all the little ducklings, when they hatched, there was a little swan. He hatched too. Well, they all thought they were little ducklings. And in fact, because the swan looked so different to, to the others that they kind of shunned him to the side. They made him feel insecure. They made him feel like an outcast. He wasn't part of their tribe. But you know, there came a day when that little swan, he saw another swan flying and sitting on the water. And then he saw a reflection of who he really was. You know what? He got up, he flapped his wings and he went to join his tribe and become who God had designed him to become. And sometimes we are like that swan. We lose sight of who we are. We try and fit in with everyone around us and sometimes we tend to get lost. Now I realize I don't have to measure up and be like anyone else. I now can celebrate other people's giftings 
without feeling insecure. I never say, I wish I had what they have. I never say, I wish I had what they had because God didn't give it to me. I'm so happy with what he gave me. In fact, I just really like myself now. I have to run my race with the talents that God has given me. My race is no one else's race and your race is no one else's race. I don't have to preach like anybody else. I just have to preach the best Bev I can be. And when you know God has a special assignment for you in your life, you will rejoice with others. The need to compare will disappear and the approval diction will be broken. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It only matters what God says about you. And family, we are all important. I know my doctor, Dr. Bev, but seriously, in my humble opinion, titles don't make us important. What makes us important is that we are son and daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of glory. Every part of the royal, the king's body is royal and must be given respect and honor. So I respect you and I honor you because you are part of the king's body. You are royal. You have royalty flowing in your veins. You were designed by God. You love God. You're needed by God. Family, I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and produce white milk and yellow butter. I don't understand how a caterpillar encases itself in a cocoon and changes into a beautiful butterfly. I don't understand how a handful of sand deposited in the earth is miraculously changed into a fiery gemstone when heat is applied from beneath and weight from above. I don't understand how a handful of black carbon planted deep within the bowels of the earth is transformed into a glorious diamond football king or queen's crown. But I do know that the human heart is six inches in length. It's four inches in diameter. It can beat 70, minute, 70 times a minute. 4,200 times per hour, over 100,000 times per day, 36 million times per year, 2,575,000,000 times in average lifetime. I do know that you were created in God's image with His air success, with His DNA to be a success. I do know He has a great future for you. And I do know that God has brought you to the earth for such a time as this. And God wants you to rise up and become everything that He has destined you to be. So celebrate who God made you to be and make a difference in the earth. You are special. You are unique. You are wonderful. You are accepted and you loved of God. Celebrate what God has given you to be. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.